0: awesome, beautiful wife. Heather Noble is going to come up and she's going to be our 10-minute speaker this morning. That's right. So Heather, why don't you come on up? Let's just pray for her. Lord, we just thank you so much for Heather. I thank you so much for Heather. (laughs) And Lord, I just pray that you just speak through her this morning. I just pray you just give her peace. Let your anointing be upon her words. Help her to have fun. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Hello. If I had any doubt at all well, about that uh, I was speaking what the Lord wanted me to speak today, it's all, um, that's gone now. Um, I have some things printed out here. I'm going to read you the first uh, a chapter that has just been, I don't know, I'm going to read it to you and you'll know why I'm, so clear that i'm talking about what the lord has on his heart today Um, psalm 46 i had (laughs) god is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble therefore we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam the mountains quake with their surging There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, and she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth, he makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear, he burns the shields with fire, and he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. All right, (laughs) so... So the Lord is is definitely saying something this morning. Um, When I was asked if I would be willing to be a 10-minute speaker, I always say, I don't know, I I don't know if what God's telling me is something I really, other people need to hear, you know, I'm kind of slow to, but then as soon as I'm learning um, that when I say yes, I'll do it, that. I'm setting myself up to learn something uh, worthy of sharing. And I feel like the Lord stirs things up in me when I just say, I'm willing to share what you're teaching me. And so it's, this is selfishly somewhat for me. <laughs> I've learned a lot. Um, so I feel like I was having a season, I'm in a busy season with teenagers, with kids, all the things, um, and I felt like I've been struggling. <clears throat> I've been struggling sometimes with anxiety about things that are going on in the world, things that are going on in my life, things that are coming up next week, things I've, I've been struggling with um, just hopelessness about, I don't know how to fix this, Right? I've been feeling like, and I've even said out loud before, I feel like I'm being dragged forward in my own life. Like, do you ever watch like a little toddler that gets running and their body's moving faster than their legs know how to work, and they're like, whoa. It's like, I feel like that's me. I feel like I'm like dropping all the balls, you know. And, And I felt like the Lord just, it was just like a kind of a bomb that I've been, um, it's been, it, it sort of exploded the other day in something he told me, and it's just been smoldering all week, um, which was an interestingly crazy week, busy, by the way, just so I could get a chance to practice what he was teaching me. Um, but was that I, he, he told me I was tr- trying to live. Okay, I want to say, we, it is right and good to look back over your life and see what the Lord has done and to honor him and praise him for his goodness. And it is right and good to hold on to those prophetic words you've gotten for the future, to look forward to good things, to have vision. You know, without it, people perish, the, the, the um, word tells us. But we can't live there. We can't live in what he's, in the past, and we can't live in the future or we feel like we're being drugged forward, right? Where do we live? We, we are people who have a body, a mind, a spirit. We have emotions. We have, we have needs in all of these areas. And where do we meet those needs? Where do we feed our body? Where do we breathe air? And we like, it's in the moment that we're in, right? And we can have our spiritual needs, our emotional needs, met in the moment that we're in. And I felt like I was living my entire life in some future place or some past place. And I wasn't just being. I wasn't taking... One thing I wasn't doing is taking care of my physical body, which is a part of us that God made that's just as... Valid is what we do. We are all about what we do, you know? But it's like, it, it is, I'm, I wasn't sleeping enough, I wasn't eating properly, and I wasn't being present in the moment that I'm in with my kids, with my husband, and with the Lord. I felt like the Lord drew my attention to. When I have my four children, the first thing that they did when I had that baby, is put that baby on my chest, right? And They do that for all kinds of reasons. But that connection literally regulates that baby, temperature, heartbeat, um, emotionally, all the things that feel safe, they feel, um, they need that, and they need that for more than just feeling good. They need that for, like, their bodies, their minds, their spirits. We're wired that way from the time we come to this earth to have connection and to be present in that moment, to have all these needs that he created us with met in a healthy way, okay? So I it drew my mind to... Um, in John chapter 13, where um, we're t- like the Last Supper, where John is literally, it always kind of weirded me out because I was never grew up in a touchy-feely kind of family. And the idea of, of laying your head on someone's chest, and, there, and not even the male-female dynamic, just the love dynamic, do you know what I mean? It's like, I can't get that, you know? But there was a thing that happened there where John, the disciple that he loved, he laid his head on Jesus' chest. And I think about us being, like, my baby's being laid on my chest. It's like, what would that look like for me to just, like, lean in and lay on his chest? You think about little toddlers, and you think about how they are sometimes completely unable to regulate themselves. Their emotions, they don't know what they want. They don't know what they need. They're just meltdown mode, right? What do they need? They need connection. They need eye contact, reassurance, touch. And we need that. We go through our lives, and I get in this meltdown mode. I'm trying to solve all my own problems and walk out the thing I think God told me to do the best I know how. And he's really asking me, to make eye contact, to lay my head on his chest. Like, God, what are you doing right now? And not even, what are you doing? Like, give me a roadmap on the next thing to do, which is what we do a lot. I'll be in a situation that's like, God, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. But I'm really asking for like, give me the next couple steps so I can do it. And I don't think he said, I need to be, I need to learn to just be like, I just need to be, I need to trust. I need to learn to just be present with him. And so I just wanted to, okay, okay, because we are, we know we're his children, and by him we can cry, Abba, Father. So I encourage you that if you, we live in a culture where we we value independence and strength and Everybody wants to be the top dog, right? Everybody wants to look like they've got it all together. But that we're people with a lot of different needs in body, mind, spirit, all the things. And we can have those needs met and that healing come by like being present with him in that moment and practicing that. So when we get in those overwhelmed moments, our adult version of the toddler tantrum, that we have developed that skill of making eye contact with him, of connecting that comfort level with laying our head on his chest. So when we get there, we can do it, right? So that's what I've been, I've been practicing this week, sometimes successfully, sometimes not, but just when I have a moment, just saying, you know what, I'm not gonna look at my email on my phone when I'm in that waiting room, just for this moment, or when I'm at that red light, I'm not gonna think through, okay, what are the next three steps I need to do? I'm going to just say, Lord, you know, I need you. I'm here. What are you doing right now? You know, just kind of make an effort to turn to him and connect. Because I think about it, and I think, you know, in other parts of the world, people are literally experiencing bombs going off in their neighborhoods. Things have, and in all parts of our country, there are people that live in physical turmoil and danger, you know, different types of things, people going through all sorts of health issues. And so I would like to be able to walk in peace. And I feel like that the Lord's giving us the ability to do it through his Holy Spirit. So I encourage you, and it's what he's talking to me, I'm practicing, um, to take those quiet moments, take those moments to, we, we are so quick to fill it with every little thing but to just take moments and just be, and um, lay your head on his chest and reset, reset our nervous systems and everything that we need that gets out of control, just like little ones. Okay. Um, Okay. Um, Okay, I'm gonna read one more thing and then I'm just gonna let it go there, I think. I don't know where I am time-wise, I wasn't paying attention. Okay, Okay. Um, Isaiah sixty six thirteen. as a mother comforts her child, will I comfort you? Okay, and Psalm 131, there was a song of this that I heard many years ago that popped up in my head the other day. Um, and it's, this is an, in Psalm, it's Psalm 131. Um, it says, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a wean child with its mother, like a wean child. I'm content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. I felt like he's he um, is just calling us to be like a child before him and to rest into him. Okay, and I think too, I think it's fascinating that that psalm is written by David, who was a leader and a warrior, and he was getting ready to be king, and he's saying, I do not concern myself with matters or things too wonderful. for." I'm sure he concerned himself with a lot of serious matters, right? But compared to the Lord, he was learning to rest, rest in his love and to do the hard things from that place. And that's what I felt like the Lord had for us today.
2: That's awesome. <clears throat> that really is the Lord speaking to us. I hope y'all can hear that. Um, I'm not scheduled to speak, and I'm not really uh, Paul speaking, but I had a dream last night, and I just thought it was crazy. Just, it's not crazy, it's the Lord. He's confirming something to us. Um, I had a dream last night that I was in this vehicle, and the brakes didn't work, and I crashed into a house. You know, and um, because the brakes didn't work. I was pumping them, but they weren't working. And I was praying about that on the way to church, and about the time, I'm like, Lord, is that, I, I literally said, Lord, is that about stopping, not being able to stop and get still? And I look up, and there was a road sign right beside me. Right when I asked this, I look up, and there in front of me, a big sign that said, Be prepared to stop. Back a number of years ago, I think it was around 07, 08, I had the Lord ask something of me that was very difficult He told me to, that he wanted me to sit still For about a year, I didn't know how long I just know he said He said, I want you to stop working And I want you to learn to sit still I'm not even asking you to pray I'm asking you to get still That was the hardest year and a half of my life. I'm serious. You know how when you come home and you go to bed and a lot of people's minds, they just race? Or it's what she's talking about. Just always the racing that goes on inside our minds and our hearts. And the Lord leads us by still waters. So if you're not by still waters, you know, in, in that verse she mentioned about... Uh, that actually in the Hebrew, Hebrew it's I, I quieted my soul. You see, our soul races, our mind, our will, and our emotions. They race, 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 always going, 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 going. But what I learned in that time period, after learning to be still, I learned I was revved up, always going, and I got to a place where my, I, I literally got at peace and got still inside myself to the to the, to a degree that I can sense it really quickly when I'm out of when I'm out of peace when I'm out of rest. Now, whereas before I would be out of rest, and out of peace, and didn't even know it. But the Lord is wanting His people to learn to get still. Busyness is your enemy. Busyness is your enemy. I mean, what was the word, one thing that I've asked? One thing that I've asked? This shall I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and meditate on his beauty. I know we got stuff that we have to do. We got bills to pay. We got things we got to do. God understands that. But there's lots of things that we do we don't have to do. And we choose to do it. Like coming home and watching eight hours of the new series that came out on whatever viewings. You know what I mean? It's just like there's, there's, there's decisions that we can make when we value what the Lord's saying. And I believe the Lord's saying to us, learn to get still, quiet your soul, be prepared to stop so that this is not revved up. Because if this is revved up, you're not in peace And the scripture says that we'll be led forth in peace. It's the God of peace that crushes Satan under our feet. It's the God of peace. And you won't have peace if this is revved up all the time. I remember one time coming home, I had, I I would get up early, try to get with the Lord, go to work, had to be there by seven. Sometimes I would not get the quality time with the Lord. So I would spend my 30 minute lunch break in my truck, reading my Bible and praying, and, um, and then I had to leave work by four and go straight to my construction class that I took in continuing education at the community college where I lived, and then I would get home somewhere between 10.30 and 11 at night exhausted, and I would get in the shower, and my mind would be thinking about what I get to do the next day. I'm just like, what am I going to do the next day? I'm thinking, I'm already playing the day in my head, and the Lord says, that's a the Lord spoke to me, so that's illegal. He's like, you have to learn how to take captive every thought unto the obedience of Christ. That's not even just about take captive the bad thoughts. It's learning to compartmentalize the thoughts that steal from the moment. See, when I come home from work, work's done. That's my time for the Lord. It's my time for the family. And when I am constantly racing in my mind, then I'm actually out of step with what the Lord has for me in that moment. And a lot of us, we have constantly thinking about things that should be dealt with tomorrow. The Lord said, you can think about what you got to do tomorrow. Didn't the Lord say something about that? Like, don't be anxious for tomorrow, for you got enough trouble today worry about today, and yet we're constantly going in our minds. So I just thought it was crazy that I had that dream about the brakes not working, talking to the Lord about it, looking up, and there's a sign that says, be prepared to stop. I know the Lord is speaking to us this morning, and I I hope we're hearing it because it's important.
0: Amen. Now I got to follow all that. For you prophetic people out there, you get a kick out of this. I actually changed my brakes on one of my vehicles yesterday. <laughs> Good gracious. You who have ears, let them hear. Hopefully you guys are hearing this. I mean, the worship team basically sang our sermons or our messages this morning with Heather's. The Lord's really trying to speak to us this morning, and... um Let's listen. Let's listen this morning. Um, I mean, it's no coincidence. I didn't talk to Heather about what I was going to speak. I didn't talk to the worship team, and I know she probably didn't talk to Margaret about what songs to choose or anything like that. I mean, we got to pay attention to those things. There's no coincidence here. I mean, I mean the the probability of all these things lining up are impossible mathematically. The Lord's He's specifically speaking to us this morning about being still, learning to wait. And about that one thing about his presence, um, well, because uh, you know, this morning uh, I was asking the Lord what what to kind of speak on. You know, Travis had uh, shared with Josh and I uh, about like you guys remember what he's been sharing about the vision about the windshield wiper, the Lord showing on the windshield wiper and clearing the vision. You guys remember that? Yes, no. <laughs> yes, all right. Um, well, I just I felt like I was supposed to go ahead and piggyback on that and uh, you know specifically um, on pursuing his presence. And if you guys noticed the theme this morning, we were singing a lot about his presence, and we were singing about the one thing um, and so that's where we're going to go. So holy Spirit, we just need you, I need you. Speak through us, speak through me. I pray you're, that we are you would open our hearts to what you have, what you're speaking to us individually this morning, Lord. We want to hear from you, and we are hearing from you. We just thank you, Lord, for just your confirmations, dreams the night before. I mean, come on now, Lord. We just thank you that you're speaking. We love it when you speak. All right, guys. So here's your, your pop quiz. Who can tell me what our vision is for Morningstar or Wilmington? Number one is presence. Equipping the Saints. And wait, I heard something else. Family, community, building a healthy community and family, right? Awesome. Okay. It's important that we know what the vision is. Because the vision isn't just for the leadership team to just kind of take it and run with it. It's for us together as a body to recognize the purposes of God for our body, to take responsibility and run together with it. Does that make sense? It's all of our responsibility to pursue his presence To be equipping the saints and to be building a healthy family and community here in our midst, because that's on His heart. That's what His purpose is for this place. When we were praying about Lord, what do You want to do here in Wilmington? Do You want us to be, um, you know, what part of the body are we called to be? You know, are we like a port city who uses their Sunday mornings as a evangelistic service? And we didn't get that, but they did, and they're doing awesome with it. And we bless them. All the different churches within our our community, in our city have different purposes. We have a specific purpose that God ordained for us to walk in. And if we do anything else, we'll be spinning our wheels, putting a lot of energy and time and effort and seeing very dinky little results. Who wants to be doing that? No, come on now. So we want to be about, it's important that we... We ca- catch this vision, we catch the purposes of God for our congregation. And uh, if you didn't uh, hear Travis's message on, messages, he did multiple on these, I encourage you guys to listen to them. Get them in, I mean, listen to them more than once. Get it in your heart, like this is what we're about. You're, it's not an accident that you guys are called here, those who you, of you who are called to be part of our church, It's not an accident that you're here in this church and you're not at Port City or you're not at somewhere else because there's something in your heart that God put in you before you were even born, I believe, that longs for his presence, that longs to see the church equipped and walking in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there's something within you that longs for healthy community koinonia of fellowship, experiencing supernatural God together, right? If that's you, raise your hand. <laughs> well, that doesn't surprise me. All right. <laughs> you guys are called here. And I know you, a lot of you guys and, and talk with you guys, and I know it's your heart. It isn't an accident. You know, when we were talking about uh, the Acts 2 Pentecost it says that they were in one accord, the 120. It was a small group of people. I mean, we've had 120 people here many times. A small group of people, but they were in one accord. They had this one vision, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And they waited on it. They pursued, They were pursuing it together. And they had some people that probably came and went, you know, the other 500 who Jesus said, hey, wait and who Jesus gave the vision to, and they just, they couldn't handle, they couldn't stick with it. They didn't have the staying power. There wasn't a hunger in them to see it come to pass. Well, let's be that 120, because, you know, God wants to move here in a tremendous way. Greater than the Welsh revival is the word spoken over this area. We're 100,000 people before the internet age, before TV, before televangelists, before the message could go out in that capacity, where 100,000 people came to know Jesus in less than a year. It's been prophesied over our area, I believe over our church, that we're going to see a move of God that is greater than that. guess what? It's not going to take place until we take serious the purposes of God spoken over this place that you were called to be connected to. Let's stop spinning our wheels just pursuing silly stuff. Let's see the purposes of heaven, eternal things that are going to last forever. When we go to heaven and we'll see all of those people that will be touched by a move of his Holy Spirit that you were helping to facilitate. Everything else is going to burn up, scripture says, everything. The only thing that's not going to burn up are the people that you, that the Lord touches through you. You're not going to bring anything else. None of your money, none of your homes, none of your boats, none of your toys, nothing. Only people. So let's get to work and like commit to the purposes of heaven. Why you're here in Wilmington right now. I don't know why I'm going there, but hey, there we go. But let's get back to it. Pursuing his presence. That's number one. That's what I feel like the Lord wanted me to kind of to talk on today. And um and it was awesome. My, my, my literally my first scripture is Psalm 27.4, what Melissa was singing right before we finished. So if you got your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to that. Psalm 27.4. And I want to talk about pursuing his presence. Why has God highlighted that for our body why are we pr- to pursue his presence and how do we practically do it together as a body so psalm 27 4 says one thing i'm going to read out of the amplified i think it's just the the tra- it just kind of translates it a little bit more i mean takes the words and kind of gets deeper into the the meanings of the words and So it says, "One thing I have asked of the Lord; that will I seek, inquire for, and insistently require, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in His presence all the days of my life, to behold the gaze upon, to behold and gaze upon the beauty, the sweet attractiveness, and delightful loveliness of the Lord, and to meditate, to consider, and to inquire in His temple." Isn't that awesome? The one thing that I've asked, there's only one thing. All right, quickly, turn to Luke 10, 38. There's a connection between these two scriptures, and let's see if you guys can see it. Luke 10, 38. There's a key here. All right. So we in verse 38. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, Jesus, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home, She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all this serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and bothered about so many things. This is Heather's message here, right? (laughs) But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Are you guys seeing the connection here? What is it? One thing. One thing. Do you see that? One thing I have asked the Lord. And Jesus says, but only one thing is necessary. These scriptures are married together. I, I'm convinced that when I was reading, and I was the first thing Holy Spirit brought to was the other scripture. This is a practical picture of the one thing. Actually, uh, I got a word for this this lady right here. Hey, hi. You're actually called to be a Mary. You were called. To, you're called for the one thing. I feel like the Lord is inviting you into an intimacy with him to pursue his presence. There is a hunger within you, and I feel like the Lord sees you, and he's saying that this will not be taken away from you. And he's going to add fire to that hunger for your, for his presence. It's going to come on your life. But it is literally going to be like this one thing. It is going to be the one thing of your life. And I feel like it already is, but I feel like there's going to be like even more fire put on it. All right. All right, cool. I don't I just saw that. I was going to give it to you. <laughs> um but that's the one thing, right? The one thing. So that's what we're about. That's what God is telling us to be about. And that's why it's like our number one of our of our vision statement, right? Is uh pursuing his presence. It's the one thing. Everything else comes out of that. That's basically what Jesus was telling Mary here. He was saying, "Mary, He was telling, I mean, telling Martha. He was telling Martha, "Hey, you're busy. You're doing all this stuff. You're getting. You're busy with a lot of stuff. But really, busyness is not really what this whole thing is about. Ministry is not even what this whole thing is about. The one thing is what this whole thing is about. And the Lord said to me, He was like, you know, you guys have heard this uh, the saying before. Let's keep the main thing, the main thing. And you know, and it's talking, you know, about keeping Him first. And I just felt like the Lord just kind of twisted." a little turn on that saying, let's keep the one thing, the main thing. And I feel like that's what he's saying to us as a body. Hey, let's keep this one thing, the most important thing that we're about, his presence, him in our midst, us sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him, having intimate fellowship with him, where we are like pursuing, we're just like, hot on the target. I mean, we're like, nothing else is going to distract us. All the busyness, all the ministry, all these things that, all these good ideas are what churches should be doing and what, what, what's a successful church. And, you know, if we do this program, we do that program, you know, we're, that is, that, none of that stuff is bad. Don't get me wrong. But like when it becomes more important than the main thing, that one thing, then it's bad. And I'll be honest, uh, you know, I, I feel like our churches, you know, I'm so grateful for you guys because I think you, we all have that same hunger for that thing, and I think it's helped us to like stay on track most time. We've had we've had deviations, but the Lord has always kind of kindly corrected us and put us back on track. And um, I feel like the Lord is uh, really wants to encourage us to almost search or allow the Holy Spirit to kind of search our life? Are we allowing other things to take precedence over the main thing? I mean, this might be a hard word for some of you guys, but you know, the one thing is more important than your marriage. Did you know the one thing is more important than your kids? You know, the one thing is more important than your job than money. Now, all those things aren't necessarily bad, but they are if if they're put before the main thing, the one thing. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, you will be so much of a better mother or father to your children if you put the main thing first. You will be so much better at your job the calling that you have in this in this world, if you put the main thing first, the one thing first, all of those things, right? Seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added unto you, right? But unfortunately, and I'll gonna be real with you, and this is my—I'm preaching myself here. We put a lot of things before the main thing, the one thing in this life, and I, and I'm I'm tired of it in my own life, honestly. <laughs> I've been asking the Lord, Lord, you've got to increase my hunger for you because I am, my spirit is so willing, but my flesh is weak. You know what I'm saying? And I need, we need the Holy Spirit to even give us hunger for more of him. You can't drum up hunger yourself. You can't drum up spiritual hunger with flesh. <laughs> we need, the. it's the grace of the Holy Spirit just giving us more hunger for him, and actually removing hunger for the things of this world, too. All right. So here's the why. This is why I believe God wants us to keep the main thing the main thing, or the one thing the main thing, and why we are pursuing it. It's number one. It's real simple. We were made. You were designed. When God made human beings, when he made Adam and he made Eve, he literally made them in such a way, like he put like little puzzle pieces, opened ended puzzle pieces or something. I don't know how you want to describe that. in their heart, to be intimately connected with him, he made you that way. He made me that way. He made every single human being that way to be intimately connected to him. So that's why the one thing's the main thing. It's real simple. John 17, three, I'm going to go through a bunch of scriptures. Seven, uh, John 73, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You know, a lot of times we think of eternal life. It's like, oh, I'm in heaven. I'm going to be there forever. That's eternal life. I'm going to live forever. You know, no. no. but Jesus defined it as this. This is eternal life. It's kind of a weird statement if you think about it. But he's saying, this is eternal life, that you may know God the Father and you may know Jesus Christ. Now that word to know is an intimate knowledge. It is an experiential knowledge. It is not head knowledge. You're not gonna read a bunch of books. Eternal life isn't reading a bunch of books and getting a lot of facts about God right. It's you encountering supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, the presence and the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That is eternal life. So, what is God? He's saving us, right, from our sin to give us eternal life, and the eternal life is to be have that intimate relationship with Him forever. Because everything comes out of that. Everything. Philippians three ten. I'm gonna. This is the amplifier. just listen out. For my determined purpose is that I may know Him. And this, that no is experiential, and Amplify breaks it down and says, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and clearly. You were made that nothing else would satisfy you except this one thing. Just this one thing. And you guys know what I'm talking about because some of you guys have lived in the world. or You lived in church. I don't know what. I lived in the world for a period of time. Nothing satisfied. Nothing. The only thing that satisfied me, the only thing that drew me back was his presence. That's it. I was living the world. Yeah, my, I can tell my testimony another time. Dabbling in all kinds of the world, the things that, that I was tricked into thinking that I was missing out on. And um, I had an encounter with the Lord when I was younger. I'd given my life to the Lord, actually, uh, when I was about eight or nine. After experiencing some demonic stuff and, you know, needing, I was supernaturally healed and I got saved And uh, I experienced this, I don't know, I didn't know what to call it. I didn't call it the presence of God when I was a kid. I just knew it was God. I don't know. But I remember being in my bedroom, singing this song from church. And we went to like some Lutheran or Methodist church. It wasn't like some like, you know, it was some kind of weird religiously sounding (laughs) song. But I don't know. That's the only tool I knew what to do with, you know. And I began singing that song to him and his presence, like well, I know now it was his presence. He like just showed up in the room and I am weeping and I'm like overwhelmed. I was only like, I don't know, six or seven years old. This is before I got saved. And, uh, and I'll be honest. So I got saved when I was like nine or ten. But from that point on, until I was about 17 years old, I didn't really experience the presence of God. I was going to this church, great church, Methodist church. Um, a lot of people there loved the Lord. My parents, they loved the Lord. And then I kind of stopped going to church for a while. But I just didn't really experience the Lord's presence. I didn't really, I didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? I got saved and I didn't know where to go from there. You know, I tried to live for the Lord as much as I could. I was telling everybody about Jesus. He healed me, all this stuff. I remember the kids used to be make, making fun of me in elementary school, calling me Pope Paul, you know, and Here comes Pope Paul. He's going to tell us about Jesus. <laughs> I said, that's right. Because, I mean, I was dramatically healed. I didn't care. I just knew he was real. Pope Paul, I guess John Paul, Pope John Paul was Pope during times. So he oh, Here comes Pope Paul. And anyway, I didn't care. But I started caring after a while. I kind of I fell away from the Lord. And uh, I didn't know about the one thing. I didn't know to keep the one thing, the main thing. And um my sisters, they were they were uh walking with the Lord and they saw me in my mess. <laughs> and they were like, hey, Paul, why don't you come to this church service thing? I was like, I don't want to come to church service. <laughs> I've been to church and church is boring. And um, and uh, but I don't know, there was something in me I just said, okay. Maybe I'll go ahead and get, what else am I going to do? You know, I was probably grounded or something. And, <laughs> you know, I was at least get out of the house. And um, so I went to, I remember walking into this church. It was a Wesleyan church. You guys know what a Wesleyan church is? It's like a Methodist church, basically. I walk into this Wesleyan church. I literally walk through the, the doors. This presence comes on me. I was shocked. I don't know what else to tell you. I was shocked and I was like God where you been (laughs) I literally remember praying like Lord where where have you been I was like I don't know they're doing this crazy stuff jumping around doing the Pentecostal pogo and all this stuff singing these crazy songs I don't care what they're doing all I know is Jesus you're in this house you're in this place totally ruined my life ruined all my sin, (laughs) all my pursuits of other things because I experienced his manifest presence. I'm not talking about just tingly, goosebumps thing. It was just like this weighty, like heavy presence of the Holy Spirit that came on me. I wasn't walking with the Lord. I was totally like gone the other way. I believed in Jesus. I knew, I couldn't deny the things that had happened when I was a kid, but I was definitely not living for him. But when I walked into that place, see, they were experiencing revival. This little Wesleyan church, it wasn't little at that time, it grew, I mean, there were tons of people there because God was moving. This manifest presence showed up in that place and it ruined my life in a good way. But I remember, I was like, Lord, your presence, you're real, you're still there. I didn't make up any of that stuff. And if you guys know me, like I want, I, I've always been this way. God put it in me. I don't know why. And, it's, and for most of my life, it's for, been for a bad thing. You know, like, uh, like I, I don't fake anything. I, I want the real thing. I'm, I'm, I can become, sometimes I become too analytical and doubtful. That's why I mean the negative. But like I want it to be Real. Don't give me fake stuff. Don't make up stuff. Like, God, if God is real, you don't need to do that stuff. Yeah, I don't need any smoke machines. I want the glory, literally cloud of the presence. And I've actually been in meetings where the the cloud of the presence of God showed up. And there was no smoke machines. And everybody's crying and on the floor. And, I mean, it, people were getting free, I'm telling you. And we're called to that. I know you guys long for that. I long for that, his presence. So the Lord he, he got me back on track, and I started slowly getting to know him, and he told me this one thing, the one thing. He did tell me that one thing. I remember I, I remember frustrated, I was I had a lot of sin in my life. And I was trying so hard to, like, be a good Christian because I knew he was real. I wanted, and, uh, and he told me, like, Paul, just focus on this one thing. He literally told me this. Get to know me. Spend your effort and your time in getting to know me, getting alone and getting in my presence. Because if you get to know me, everything else would change. So that has been my pursuit even to this day. I'm just pursuing, Lord, I just want to know you because I know you're going to change me. If you encounter God, if you encounter a supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit, it is impossible for you not to be changed by him. And I'm not talking about like, you know, sometimes you do see people get touched by God and then like, um, you know, they go off and do something else. It doesn't mean that something wasn't changed within them. I'm telling you, if you're touched by God, it is impossible for you to not be changed in some, some manner. And that's been, my, that's been my life, is where I would continually get in time of trying to be Mary, trying to get into his presence, trying to spend time with him, trying to just get to know him. And, and what Heather was sharing about, like, just getting alone with him, quieting your soul, just being present with him then and there, and say, Lord... Come and visit with me. Meet with me. I'm drawing near to you. Your, your word promises that you draw near to to me when I draw near to you. And where I'm just, I'm, I want to know you. Reveal yourself. And as and as I, you know, slowly over, I guess, 25 years now, um, he's been changing me. He's been making me different. He's been cleaning me up. Still got a ways to go, but he's, he's <laughs> if I keep the one thing, the main thing, it's all right. He'll worry about all my sin. Not that I'm like going to be actively trying to sin, but you know what I'm saying. I'm not focusing, my Christian life isn't about, I'm not focusing on sin management. I'm not focused on trying to do good stuff. I'm focusing on one thing, the main thing, and all of those things my sin will be managed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? When I am encountering him, I want to be like him. I actually have this will, a power in my, my spirit to actually will myself not to want to sin anymore. And I actually have power to stop sinning. The Holy Spirit, not my will power, because I've been with him because I kept I'm keeping the main thing the one thing. All right. So that's the why. Right? So what does that have to do with our church? So that's us personally in our personal relationship. What does that have to do with the church? So I was I, I you know it's probably about four no, it's been like 6 years now. <laughs> Man, time flies, right? probably been about six years. I, was, I remember one time I was praying for the church, praying for our church, just like, Lord, what do you want to do here? Lord, show up, you know, all those kind of things. And he just dropped this scripture in my heart and it was Mark 2. So I turned it, I didn't know what Mark 2 says. So I turned to it and it says this, this is Mark 2, 1. It says, and Jesus having returned to, uh, to Capernaum after some days, it was rumored about that he was in the house. And that whole phrase just like stood out to me. And I just felt the Holy Spirit just begin to download and to speak to me about our body and the purposes and the plans that he has for our body and and not necessarily even just our body, but for this region that that the Holy Spirit wants to show up in such capacity in our meetings, in our body, where there is a rumor that Jesus is in our house. Now, you have guys heard me talk about this before. But this is, I'm literally, I'm telling you guys, let's take a hold of this message that the Holy Spirit's telling us as a body, that he wants to move in such a capacity within our body that there is going to be rumor at Church's Chicken and at Sonic that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is literally in our house, that when we get together as believers, I'm not talking about even necessarily this building. It's not about a building. It's about we are the building, But that when we get together, that we are so desperate and hungry for the main thing, the one thing, that he shows up and he's healing, he's delivering, he's saving, he's doing all the cool stuff that he does. When heaven actually comes, it trumps everything the enemy is trying to do in people's lives. It destroys it. It's like a steamroller. The Lord showed me a picture one time when his kingdom comes. It's like a steamroller. Everything in its path gets smushed and demolished that the enemy's done in people's lives. You can't fight the steamroller. You guys ever seen a steamroller? You stick anything in front of a steamroller, what's going to happen to that thing? That is the kingdom of heaven. There is nothing that the enemy can do that the kingdom of heaven can't demolish. and on this rock what is it right help me out here i will build my church what's that that's right yes so that's our that's that's this mark too i'm telling you it is for our body that Jesus is, will be literally, and, and here's, the Lord was talking to me about it. It's not, it's not going to be about like Travis. It's not going to be about me. It's not going to be about Josh. It's not going to be about leadership. It's not going to be about Ray Lee. It's not going to, there's literally, it doesn't say, oh, that there was, uh, you know, a really cool worship team is in the house at Morningstar. Not that we, are, we do have a really cool worship team, by the way. But it's going to be that Jesus is literally in the midst and, who, and you guys know that story. What happens uh, in that story? You guys remember it? That Mark II story? When he shows up in the house? You guys saw it on, on Cho, The Chosen? You guys watch The Chosen? What happens? The, para, the paralytic, yeah. But what happened? They were just chilling in the house, just, just hanging out with Jesus. And what happened? I mean, there was this huge crowd. Jesus is in this house. Everybody, hey, remember that guy? He's doing all that stuff. He's in this house. What happened? This huge crowd shows up. All the, and then the paralytic gets, you know, brought down through the ceiling, and he gets healed, and his sin's forgiven, and all that kind of stuff. But Jesus was saying that, like, this is your cho- church growth model, the main thing. The one thing is your church growth model. That might not be everybody's church growth model, but I seriously believe it's our church growth model. Not that we're not going to go out and evangelize. We do that stuff. We did that a couple of weeks ago. But that's not our focus. Our fo- it's, it's maybe one of the things out of our focus that we'll do as he leads us and directs us. But the main thing is his presence, the pursuit of his presence. And, you know, lift up Jesus and all men will come to him, right? His presence draws the lost. That has been my prayer. I've been praying this thing because I experienced it. When people literally walk through these doors right here, every time we get together, when people literally come through, come from right here, they come here, that the manifest presence of God will fall upon them they will be broken over their sin. They will be freed up to love God. They would encounter the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit and come to know Jesus. And if they're a believer, they get empowered and equipped and all that other stuff.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we just need some catchers by the door. You know what they call it in charismatic churches? We need a catcher. <laughs> Isn't that what they call them? <laughs> Right. (laughs) But no, that's what I'm, I'm seriously praying that. And we all should be praying that. Because that's what God's purpose is for this place. And we want to be in alignment with what he wants. We want to please him. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Man, Paul, you're talking forever. I'm sorry. You get me talking about the presence of God. I will, I will talk all day. Okay. All right. So let's, let's, get, let's get practical here, right? So how do we practically as a body pursue his presence? I feel like the Lord's highlighted two things. Melissa even said it uh, this morning. Worship. A body that values worshiping him will see his presence, will experience a move of God. And that what you said, Melissa, in my <laughs> butchering. But that's basically what? You know, worship isn't for us. It is, but it isn't. We experience the benefits of his presence, but worship is for him. We want to please him. We don't come in Sunday mornings and be like, all right, let's wait. I'm just gonna sit down. I'm just man, I'm tired. Oh gosh. And then inwardly focus. We're just focusing on all of our stuff. No, let's come Sunday morning being like, Lord, I'm here for you. I want to please you. I want to love on you. I want to give you the glory, the honor, the praise that you are deserving. And to actually position yourself ready to go, ready to bless God, ready to pursue him, ready to pursue the one thing, the main thing instead of waiting for the worship leaders up there to be like, all right, guys, let's stand. Is anybody out there? Hey, I've been a worship leader, so I can say this stuff, all right? I've been in services where I'm literally like, am I in here by myself? <laughs> but I've also been in services where I'm just like, I can't even sing in because everybody else is just singing their guts out. Loving on him. Man, that's the best time to be a worship. I mean, I don't have to do anything. God, you know, God shows up and people just go. But we can position ourselves practically you know, to do this. You don't have to wait for some feeling. You don't have to wait for the anointing. The anointing actually lives inside of you. And when you sing, a lot of times the anointing is coming out of you. And it's actually touching people that are sitting next to you. You know, that's the awesome power of corporate worship. I can worship in my bedroom with my guitar all day long, and I love it, and I experience God. But there's something different. When I get together with a group of believers that are hungry, that are not just hungry, they're desperate, where everything else doesn't matter, that the one thing is the only thing. Man, you get in a group of people like that, God shows up, more powerfully than you will ever imagine, and that's and that's the there it is, Liz. You just said it. I mean, the, the only scripture I got for this is Psalm twenty-two, and Adam, you were even talking about it. I'm going to read it to you. But you are holy, Psalm twenty-two three. You are holy, O you that inhabits the praises of Israel. Now let's let's break this down a little bit. The word praise here in this verse is. Tequila, not tequila, tequila. It's kind of like tequila, but you know what I'm saying? It's the new wine, right? (laughs) Not not tequila, okay? Tequila is the counterfeit of this, okay? Tequila, and it means to sing and to laud. And it's different. There's, you know, I think there's seven, six or seven words, Hebrew words for praise, right? Is that right? Is seven? Yeah. And uh, two of them are about singing. This is one of them. The other one is uh, Zamar. And that's actually kind of like when we're singing together, we're singing a song together that everybody knows, you know, that's up on the screen. This is a different way of singing. This means to sing to Lord. This is a spontaneous new song. From your heart. Singing a melody in your heart by adding words to it. I, I like that definition. Because there's already a melody singing in your heart. You know what it's singing? I'm going to tell you right now what it's singing. Scripture says in Romans 8, it's saying, Abba, Father. That's what it's singing. Your flesh might not be singing. Actually, your flesh is not singing that because Scripture says your flesh is that enmity with the Spirit. It actually is fighting you from worshiping. So that's why we can't like just show up and just, you know, uh, I guess I just give into my flesh. I'm just going to sit here and just wait till I feel something. I'm going to sit here until I, they play my favorite song. Or I'm going to sit here and and wait until another worship leader comes up here because I don't like that style. Man, I've been in some terrible worship band settings and I'll tell you what, I can still worship God in them. I remember this one time, this guy, he was a young guy. Man, he was terrible. Musically, I'm just saying musically. And I'm a musician, so like, you know, for us musicians, we get kind of, we can fall into getting critical and like judgmental and stuff. And his voice, he was singing all off key and he was playing the guitar and it was terrible sounding. I was just like, it was grating to me. But his heart was so hungry. I could feel the presence of God just coming from his heart. It didn't matter what he was playing. didn't matter that he sounded terrible. Didn't didn't matter that he was like, didn't know the guitar very well. It, I mean, it helps. All that stuff helps, trust me. <laughs> Please, practice your instruments, musicians. <laughs> but um, man, his presence showed up, and it was awesome. And we were just worshiping together, this group of hungry believers. And um, anyways, so it's a spontaneous song. It's a singing, it's melody in your heart. You can move in this at any time. Okay? And that's what that word literally means. So what does he inhabit? He inhabits the praises, the tahila, right, or tahila, of his people. So when we praise spontaneously, when we just sing from that melody in our heart that's saying, Abba, Father, it says all kinds of stuff, you know what I mean? You can actually practice this, okay? You don't have to be a worship leader. You don't have to be on the worship band to practice this. You, sh- you can be doing this in your own quiet time with the Lord, or actually it should be loud at that point sometimes, you know, you're singing. And, um, where you can actually practice singing to him what is on your heart. And it could be just one word. It could just be even just like a la. I mean, you don't even even have to be a word. It could be a melody, just love for him, just loving on him, crying out to your father. And it says, scripture says, he inhabits these types of praises. His manifest presence comes, and he literally sits and is enthroned, is another translation, in the praises of his people. Not in the praise of the worship leader, but in the praises of his people. So we can practically do this as a body. You know, when there's a quiet time, let's just be practical. When there's a quiet time, you know, uh, Travis, he was saying, we need to just wait on the Lord That's not the the part to just kind of sit and disengage and kind of wait for the music to start up again. That's the time to like just engaging him, you personally, one-on-one with him. Lord, I love you. I love your presence. I worship you. If you don't know what to say, just pray in the spirit, pray in tongues. Worship him in tongues. You know, you can sing in tongues. Scripture says you can sing in tongues. There is so much power when we sing in tongues together and we just love on him. when our, And the Holy Spirit through us, I don't know how all that works, but you know what I'm saying. So, and here's the kicker here, and this is why I love this. John 4.23 says, Yet a time is coming, and now has come, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. This, I love this part of the verse for they are the kind of worshipers the Father is seeking. He is looking. He is literally... Because I think we have such a wrong mentality of God that we got to drum up some stuff. We got to be like the people. you know, Remember in like uh, Mount Carmel where there's like uh, yeah cutting themselves, making a racket, trying to get God to come, you know, to, to burn up the sacrifice. If you don't know that, you know, read that on for your homework. But you had this like two... To, you had Elijah and you had the prophets of Baal and they're doing all this kind of crazy trying to make God come and we don't need to do that. God isn't waiting for us to like do all the right things. You know what I mean? His intent in his heart was to be with us from the very beginning, from Adam to where the cross is literally a picture of him reaching out. I am desperate for my kids. I will do anything, even lay down my life for them to be with me, for me to go and be with them. When the, the veil was torn in the, in the temple, it was literally the father, I believe, I, saw, I, just, I, I see a picture of him literally taking that veil and himself ripping it and coming out, going after his kids. I can be with them and I won't destroy them because the blood of Jesus is now covering them and they can be with me. we got to have this different mentality of how the Father, He longs to be with us more than we long to be with Him. And He's just looking for every opportunity. He's seeking worshipers. He's literally looking throughout the earth and He's saying, who, who can I come to? Who can I meet with? Who is desperate for me? Who is opening their heart to me? Who is worshiping and loving on me? Who is ready for me? He's literally looking for that. And we can make our hearts and we can make our church a place where he comes, where he feels at home, that he literally is looking from heaven and he's saying, oh, this dinky little church on Market Street, hey, I like Church's Chicken, but hey, that little building right there, man, they are just drawing me. I just, I can't get away from them. They are desperate for me. They actually really do want me to come. Come. They aren't just doing church stuff and, you know, going to have lunch. They are wanting me. He's looking for churches like that. Let's be that church. I believe we are that church. Are we there yet? No, not totally. But we're progressively coming into it. I really believe that. All right, we need to wrap this thing up. I didn't even get to prayer. We'll talk about that another time. <laughs> I think the Lord, I, I feel like I'm was, I was supposed to share. I do want to share a couple things, though. So. Is it all right if I, I read a couple quotes? These are some quotes from uh, some of my my heroes of the faith. And I've read one of these before, but there is there's a desperation in prayer and in worship that the Lord wants to bring us to because what happens is that desperation and that prayer and that actually giving yourself to the pursuit, it actually enables us to handle when he shows up. That we would actually like facilitate and that we would actually steward the gift of his manifest presence. Does that make sense? And I believe that's why maybe not necessarily we see God showing up every time, every Sunday, because if he showed up at everybody's church here in town or whatever, and and like the dramatic ways that we read about and hear about, it probably destroys some of our churches. (laughs) It pretty much sort of does mess things up at other churches when he does show up. I know it's it's messy. You guys read revivals and stuff from the history? But almost all revivals... All revivals that I've read about, and I've, I've studied a lot of revivals. I know, Josh, you're reading um, God's general book, talks a lot about revivals and stuff like that. There's one common theme. There's two common themes, and it's it's worship and prayer. But it's like this desperate prayer and worship. I remember uh, watching, like, uh, the, the there's like this documentary on the Brownsville revival and uh, Pastor Kilpatrick, he would go in, into the church in the middle of the night and he would just get on his face and literally moan and cry out, God, there's gotta be more than what I'm experiencing. Now, this guy had a successful Assemblies of God church down in Pensacola, Florida. Hundreds of people were going. There were also ministries taking place, but it was not satisfying him and I think the re- a lot of his congregation. And he began to get desperate and he began to pursue God in prayer where he was just like overwhelmed that he would be groaning. It was, I believe, a birthing prayer, birthing the promises and the purposes of God for that church. You know, that's coming upon our church. I'm telling you right now. And it, if it already hasn't come upon you, it's coming. So give yourself to it. It's weird. I'll be honest, it's weird. <laughs> because it's weird to the you know the natural mind it really is i'm uncomfortable when it happens to me <laughs> but i don't care anymore come lord bring it uh, but anyway so there's there's this uh this desperation and prayer and in worship that comes and uh i just want to read a couple quotes kind of like stick some coals under you a little bit right so this is Charles Finney. one of my he's probably my the biggest hero of faith of mine. But he was he was used mightily through the second great awakening, but nothing took place. Nothing. He attributes it all, obviously, to the work of the Holy Spirit and his purpose, but to prayer. They would go into a city and they just pray. They wouldn't do anything. They'd just pray. And they would pray like this. He says, a spirit of importunity, for you guys who don't know what that means, it's a persistence to the point of annoyance. This spirit of importunity would come up sometimes come upon me so that I would say to God that he had made a promise to answer prayer and I could not and would not be denied. I felt so certain that he would hear me and that faithfulness to his promises and to himself rendered it impossible that he should not hear an answer that frequently I found myself saying to him I hope thou dost not think I can be denied I come with thy faithful promises in my hand and I will not be denied I cannot tell how absurd unbelief looked to me and how certain it was in my mind that God would answer prayer. And those prayers from that day to day and hour to hour, I found myself offering in such agony and in faith. So he, right off the top here, this wasn't him out of his willpower working really hard to pray stuff. He says that a spirit of importunity would come upon him. That is the Holy Spirit, the grace of God to pray, to intercede. And we're not talking about just kind of like, Lord, bless Aunt Bertha and... My aunt uh, Wilma. No, it wasn't, no, it was like a it was an agony, burdensome prayer where he was birthing out the promises of God through his intercession. It was like heaven was coming through him because he was he was like this conduit, him and his his partner, Brother Nash, and there was a couple other guys that would just they would intercede and God he would show up in meetings and, and the Holy Spirit's the manifest presence of God would show up. He'd show up in like workplaces and the presence of God would fall in workplaces while people are working on stuff. You know what I mean? And like they would fall out crying on just like crying out for mercy because of the presence of God. That move of the Holy Spirit was this move of repentance. They were so broken over their sin that they were crying over it, and they were wailing and weeping. It says that he couldn't even preach sometimes. He was, like, getting ready to come up with his message, and people were, like, literally crying and wailing. Can you imagine that? I come up here on a Sunday morning. I'm like, guys, come on. I'm trying to preach. Quiet down. Stop. I mean, this was a move of the Holy Spirit. This was a, this was, but it, it was birthed in this prayer. Here's another, uh, real quick, and we're going to close this thing. Randy Clark, you guys know Randy Clark, a lot of you guys do. You know, he was a, a, a vineyard pastor before everything happened in Toronto. And he actually, I think he quit the ministry for a period of time. I, I'm pretty sure of that. And he got a job making donuts. <laughs> But he, he, had, he had such a hunger for God. He was just like, God, I, I don't know what else to do. I just, I need you. And he would just spend time. He'd, he'd get his guitar out and he'd just worship God and he'd just seek God and he'd go uh, at night make donuts. You know what I mean? And that, that was like he was seeking. He made the one thing the main thing. Now, not everybody's called to go quit their job and go, you know, but if he's telling you to do it, do it. Go make donuts. <laughs> And, and God, and you know, you got, a lot of you guys know the story. This was in the 90s. Uh, John Carroll Knott invited him to come to do some meetings in Toronto, airport, uh, vineyard. Presence of God showed up in such a powerful way that meetings didn't stop for years. I mean, they just kept on going, going and going and going. And like thousands, probably millions of people have, have, would come to this place, get filled with the Holy Spirit and sent out. And it's, you know, tremendous ministries have birthed out of this thing, but it started with one person. Now, John and Carol are not, they were pursuing the same thing, you know, and that kind of tells you that we do need to be connected to people. There's a, there's a, some kind of, I don't know, Holy Spirit equation that you put this person, this person together sometimes, boom, you know, it's like a chemical reaction or something, I don't know. So anyways, I just want to encourage you guys, let's Let's, let's be about the, the one thing. Let's make it our main thing here. And not just in word, you know. Me and Travis and Josh can preach to you guys, so we're blue in the face about the one thing and the main thing, but it doesn't mean anything unless we are together pursuing it. Unless we go after him together and see him show up and see him touch Wilmington and see him touch North and South Carolina. And see him touch our nation. And see him touch our politics that we get. We sometimes make the main thing, unfortunately, honestly. But politics aren't going to change anything. His move of the Holy Spirit will change things. And politics will be changed in its wake. Because we'll have righteous leaders. And we need to pray for all of those things.